Uh, well, Northside family, good to be with you this morning. If it's your first time here, or if I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name's Nate, one of the pastors. I want to welcome you. And we know a lot of people begin to travel during the summer. And can we just welcome everybody online? If you're tuning in right now, just want to say hello to you and welcome in. Uh, before the service, I loved it. My buddy, Eric, he texted me because we put the service from Saturday night on at 8 a.m. For some of you early risers, if you're uh, on the road, and he texted me this morning and he said, hey, we're on the way uh, for my son's uh, championship, their travel soccer. And he said it was so cool to drive up as a family and watch the 8 o'clock service on the way to soccer. And I said, man, I love hearing dads take responsibility for their family's faith and go, we know we may be on the road to soccer, but son, there's something bigger than soccer and his name is God. And there's this whole thing that God is doing in us and the power of a dad instilling that faith. I was so overjoyed. I was like, man, the sermon, you know, who cares how it goes this morning? That text made my day, right? And some of you are like, we hope the sermon still goes okay, right? Like, like don't lay an egg here, right? But there's something that happens in that relationship. And I'd love just getting that text because what I'm hearing is this. I'm hearing one dad pass on the faith. And here's the thing. Eric can't save his son, Max. Right? He can't. He's not the one who can control everything. But he is the one who can introduce him to everything. And his name is Jesus. And this is what happens in our relationships is God changes us through our relationships. That's why we're doing this series called Relation shift because for some of us in this place, you're here in summer, you're going, man, I hope something changes in my life. And God goes, I do too, right? And, and God is all about the change in our life and he wants to bring it about, but here's how he brings it about. He brings it about through our relationships. I remember growing up in youth ministry, I remember my youth pastor said this one time, and of course, uh, every you know, student in the student ministry think we're always smarter than every adult, right? And, and I remember one time the youth pastor said it this way. He, he just simply said this, and, and I didn't make the connection and, and until later, but he said this. He said, show me your friends and I'll show you, anybody remember that phrase? Your future. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And what I wasn't putting together was this, I will become what my closest relationships are around me. That's what I'm going to become. Now, here's the thing. As Christians, we need to be willing to be friends and love our neighbor, even if they don't love or follow God, because that is what Christ has done for us. But the closest people around us, really, this is what's going to happen. And it's proved true over and over again in my life is this, I become like the closest relationships around me. And here's the thing for you and I today is this, oftentimes when summer comes up, we, we don't say it this way, like, I need to go get around healthy relationships. I've never heard anybody say that, right? right? As pastors, we would love for you to say that. Nate, I just want to get my life together and give my life to the Lord and begin to have all these healthy nutrient relationships, right? I would love to hear that, but that's not what we say. This is what we say around summer. This is what we say, I need to get out of here, right? We say stuff like this, I need to get away from them. Right? I need to get to the lake. That's what we say. I need to get on vacation. And then when you come back from vacation, you're going, I need a vacation from my vacation. But what happens is in all of our lives, when summer hits, we begin to be honest with what we need. And I need rest. I need to be with this friend. I need to be with family. I need to be with these people. I need to be with them. And really what you're saying is this, I need replenishment in my life. 
I need some things to change. What we're going to look at in this series is this. We're going to look at four shifts that God introduces us to. It's not something that we need to come up with. All we need to do is begin to align our lives and relationship with the way that God made us. And here's what's going to happen. You're going to begin to see some shifts in your life. So this whole relationship series, it's not a marriage series, but if you begin to apply it to marriage, it's going to change your marriage. And this isn't just a friendship series, but when you begin to apply these truths from God, it's going to change your friendships. This isn't a dating series, but I guarantee you this. If you begin to make this the focus of your dating, your relationships are going to get a whole lot better. See, this is the joy of God. God made us as relationships. God made us in his image. We're going to find out for relationship. We need this. And what we find is this. Here's the idea is when you fuel your relationships, your relationships fuel you. When you take time to fuel your relationships, your relationships fuel you. This is why everything we do here, we, we want this place to be a place where you connect with God and people who are unconnected begin to follow him. A, a couple of things that we have up, coming up this summer that I want to make you aware of is this. I really hope that you begin to open your life up to all that God has for you this summer. Uh, starting this month on June 19th and the 26th, we have a place called the Next Steps here. And this whole Next Steps thing is this. You know and I know we need people to come around us to explore all that God has for us, whether it's who he is or the next step that we have. Maybe you want to begin to find places to get connected here. This is a great place to start. It's, you can come here to the 945 and then it's during the 1130 service for two weeks. Uh, another thing that's coming up I love that God's done is in July. Uh, that's normally when I take my steady break. And so we get a couple of speakers to come in. Uh, and the speakers we invited to come in are absolute dynamic. They're, they're some of my biggest ministry heroes. And here's the thing, they're great speakers and then they leave. And we said this, this summer, we're talking about relationships and allowing God to change us. And we asked and we said, would you not just come and preach on the weekend, but on Saturday morning, would you like expand for an hour and a half on the topic you're going to talk about? And nobody, we didn't have to twist anybody's arm. They all said yes. And so here's our lineup in July. We've got an unbelievable lineup. Uh, Mark Moore, who wrote the book Core 52, uh, it's the 52 most important things in the Bible. Uh, you can pick that book up at the Resource Center. He's going to be there on that Saturday. He's going to talk about how you and I can trust the authenticity of the Bible and how do we read it. Uh, Larry Osborne, he's from minister from uh, San Diego. Uh, his talk, he's going to be talking about Daniel his weekend. And his talk is this. We're not in Kansas anymore. And so how do we navigate our new cultural reality? And then Ephraim Smith, a good friend of ours, he's going to talk about our biblical need for racial reconciliation. And then some uh, no-name, Dave Stone, uh, is going to be here on uh, July 30th. And what he's going to talk about is how we love our neighbors well. Dave has become a great friend and just mentor of mine. And, and I love it. And here's what I just know. This whole summer, guys, God wants to change some things. God wants some shifts to happen in our life. And oftentimes we think this, okay, I got to get my act together. I've got to make all the changes. And what we're going to find is this, God already has those changes in mind. God already has the shifts that we need to make in our life in mind. We don't have to go make them up. All we need to do is begin to align our lives to them. 
Uh, out in the Resource Center today, we, we, we're featuring two new books just to help people do this, to dive in. Uh, one is this, it's called People Fuel by jo uh, Dr. Ta uh, John Townsend, a great Christian psychologist who gets to the depths of the core of what we need in our relationships. And then another one is called Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. And this is what I love about Pete Scazzaro. This is what he says. This is his whole premise. He says this, you can only be a spiritually mature as you are emotionally mature. And so if you want to grow spiritually, you have to actually grow emotionally. Your relationship with God and your relationship with others, if you want that to change, it comes through emotional intelligence. Now, here's the deal. I don't want to just tell you about it. This is my Oprah moment. Would anybody read this book? People feel right here. I saw that hand. You ready? I'm not going to chuck it because I'll probably hit you. All right. So we're going to. Anybody else on emotional healthy? Right there, right there, right there. Can you, can you come grab? Yeah. You're like, I shouldn't have raised my hand. Yeah, don't worry. All right, here you go. Hey, and you guys can pick these up out at the Resource Center. Uh, but this is what I love about God, that when you begin to open the Bible, what you begin to see is this. You begin to see him and how he's made us and how we can align our lives to us. Now, here's the thing in this place. Here's what I know. This is the true about myself. Every single one of us in this place, we have relationships that aren't thriving right now, don't we? You're like, you've been reading my Facebook? No, right? Here's just what I know. We're human, and since we're human, we have brokenness with us. And you came into this place with broken relationships. And there's times in your life and there's times in my life that maybe the relationship was going well and then things didn't go so well, and then here's what happens. We don't know what to do when they don't go well. I appreciated Jason's talk during communion today. But sometimes we don't know what to do. But all we can say is, God, my eyes are on you. And maybe you're here today and you're going, I want to change the relationships. I just don't know how. I, I remember the uh, first time and only time, but it was a doozy. It, it was the first time uh, that the transmission fell out of my car when I was driving. And uh, I was coming back. It was amazing. I was coming back. Our friends actually let us use their lake house. And we were coming back on this country road. And it had these big hills. And as soon as I pulled out, you know, traffic was coming. So I kind of had to beat the traffic. As soon as I pulled out, you know, I kind of floored it first gear. And it just started revving. I had no idea what was happening. Wouldn't go to second gear. And I'm going, uh-oh, this truck started coming up fast on me. And it wouldn't happen. And literally, I had to drive the whole way home 25 miles an hour. Right, I was that guy with like the flashers on, and you know how it is. You, you know everybody's telling you you're number one when they drive by you, you know, on this on this back road, and you know, you know what we do like when we mess up in traffic, and you know it's your fault. You just don't look at the person, right? Right? You just hey, oh, praise the Lord, right? You're like, I know that's my fault, and I'm just not going to look at them, right? And I'm going to act like nothing's wrong. And I remember driving home, and it was just this worst feeling. And it's not, it wasn't just a bad feeling that my transmission fell out. It was this other feeling. I don't know how to fix that. And then here comes the other thought, how much is this going to cost me? <laughs> and sometimes you're there in your relationship. It's not the transmission's falling out, but your relationship has bottomed out. And you go, not only is this bottomed out, I don't know how to fix this. And how much is this going to cost me? See, this is why we've got to be allowing our relationships and allowing our lives to center back on God because what he has is this. He's going, I know how to begin to fix this. And what you're gonna find today is this, that his son has paid the cost. And we get to begin to live and shape our relationships according to God. 
Here's what I love about God. You find this in the very beginning of Genesis. It's this. Here's the first shift that he has for us in this series is this. This is what you find about God, and this is how we shape our relationships. But it begins with how God has shaped us, and it's this, that he is fully present with us. That God is fully present. This is how relationships begin. We know that relationship encounter, when you begin to talk with somebody and then they pull their phone out, And you go, oh, I guess the conversation's over. I thought you were still talking to me, (laughs) right? And what happens is this, we can sense that moment when people are not present with us. But what we find in the very beginning is this, you find God being fully present. This is what it says in Genesis chapter one. And each week we're just gonna look at who God is in Genesis and allow that to be how we align our lives. This is what it says in verse 26. It says, then God said, let us make man in Our image, let us, God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit at the beginning of creation, they are fully present. And they said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over every living creature that moves on the ground. God is fully present at creation. And some of you going, Nate, what does that mean to be fully present? Like if you were to, to go, how am I to be fully present in my relationships as God is fully present with me? It's this, two things. If you're taking notes, you want to write this down. It's through our attention and intention. So those are two, it's a, it's a one-two combo. You are fully present when you give people your attention. But something that we also have to look at in this passage is this. What was God's intention for man? For some of you here today, you've always had a problem with God because you felt like God always wanted something from you. I don't want to go to church. I just want my money. I don't want to go there. God's just going to, he's just going to make me follow all these rules. God just wants something from me. And here's what we find in this passage is this. God doesn't start with, I want something from you. You know what he starts with? I want something for you. I've created you in my image to be present with me. And then he says this, so that you can rule over the birds of the air and the fish of the sea. God begins, his presence begins to shape Adam's work. Now, I know most pastors don't want to say this uh, because there's a risk that comes with this. Can I just let you know the most important thing you can do is not come to church? Some of you are like, I knew I I I could have slept in today, right? Now, here's here's the dangerous thing when we say that. So church doesn't matter. No, no, church matters. Can I tell you what's more important than coming to church? It's being with your Savior. It's being with Jesus. See, at the very beginning, you know how God set up the creation order? He begins to create everything. And you read day one, day two, day three, day four. And here's the thing. It's, on, it's not until day six that God creates man. And then on day seven, God what? He rested, which means this. The first thing that man experienced when he was created was the full presence of God. You know what begins to change our relationships? Not our performance or the other person's performance. 
But when we align ourselves simply to the presence of God. See, your job, my job, is to spend time with Jesus. To create margin in our life to walk with him. And not just once in the morning, but daily, over and over again. And troubled situations. See, this is where our relationships begin to shift. And it's through our attention, but it's also through our intention. My, my daughter turned 10 last weekend. And uh, I began to have this thought in my mind when she began, uh, you know, as she's 10, teenager years are coming up. And I began to have that replaying thought in my mind of what that conversation is going to be like with that boy who asked her out for the first time in, in 20 years. And because uh, she's going to be 30, maybe 40, uh, before she starts dating, you know. And as a good dad, and you've heard this before, maybe your dad has said this, or maybe you've said this as a dad before, if your dad here in this room is this, when somebody wants to date your daughter, this is the first question you say, what are your what? What are your intentions? And some of you like cock your shotgun right there, right? You're like, what are your intentions, son? Right? And, and, and here's, what, here's what happens in this place. It's this. Oftentimes, and this is what we know. Oh, you want to date my daughter? I know she has your attention. But what are your intentions? See, this is what happens with our presence of God. It's not just when you give him some attention. It's will the presence of God become your intention for your whole life. Because what happens is he gives Adam his full attention. He goes, you are made for me, Adam. And then once you rest in me, here's what I want this relationship to face and to begin to change is your work. Oftentimes we reverse that and we work ourselves to death only to maybe get some time with God. Your greatest work that you'll ever do in your life is how you spend time with God. May it be our greatest prayer this summer that the greatest relation shift in our life comes between us and Jesus this summer. Oftentimes I begin to think about all the relationships that need to change and I spend more time thinking about that than I do about the relationship that needs to change with me and Jesus. See, when we spend time with Jesus, we begin to see his attention for us. We begin to see his intention begins to shape our lives. It begins to change our relationships. This Mother's Day, oh man, I airballed big time, all right? Uh, church is where you confess your sins to one another, all right? And uh, Ruthie and I had done a bunch of date things the, the week leading up to Mother's Day. And it kind of fell on that awkward weekend where it's Derby weekend and Mother's Day and this and that and all these other stuff going on. And uh, I, I, we did all these things leading up to Mother's Day. And then I did nothing for Mother's Day. I know some of you are like, why, how are you the pastor? Right? I get it. I know. Right? This is why Jesus is the head of the church. Right? And uh, I, I just missed it. I, I had great intentions. Here was the thing, you ready? I missed the attention that was required. Had a great heart, just didn't give the right attention. See, what you find in God is this, the more we study God's word and the more we learn who he is, he has attention for you, but he also has intention. Listen to what it says here. He not only just creates Adam and gives him his presence because that is what we were created for. In verse 18 of chapter two, it says this. It says, then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. See, God knows, I, I, I've come to give you my, my presence. This is the greatest thing that begins to change your life. But not only that, God knows this. God says, I know what you need, Adam. 
I know what you need. Before sin entered the world, God saw something wasn't good. It was for man to be alone. That's why every scientific study coming out of the last couple of years say this. It turns out people don't do well in isolation. And we're like, yes, right? Like, like that was how we were made. This was how God said before sin into the world, it was not good for man to be alone. And women, let me say this, that word helper doesn't mean somebody who's just here to assist Adam. That word helper is the same word God uses to describe himself as the helper to save Israel. Women, you are not second rate. You are made in the image of God, gifted by his spirit for his good. And here's the thing, men actually don't thrive without a healthy relationship with women. And here's the thing, God says, I know what can help our society. What if you come back to the way that I've created men and women to flourish together? And this is the gift that you and I get to have as the church, amen? that we validate and we lift up women and we don't abuse and we don't just use them for what we want, but we see the image of God and we say this when we see women. Actually, I do better when we serve each other and protect each other. Adam, it's not, yes, four people, yeah, right? It's one of these sayings of, of going, this is what it is to be the church. See, this is oftentimes where we're trying to shift our relationship. We just don't start at the right place. The right place for every relationship to change is with the presence of God. See, God knows what you and I need. He didn't just make Adam and go, good luck, my man. I hope, hopefully you don't mess this up because I spent a lot of time making the world. No, he says, Adam, I see what, what you need. And I'm here through my presence to give you what you need. I'm here, Adam. And what we're going to look at next weekend a little bit more in depth is in Genesis chapter 3. Here's what happens. God has his presence. And you know how sin comes into the world? Adam and Eve quit walking with the presence of God. That's how sin comes in. And the moment that we're going to find in Genesis chapter 3, and we're going to unpack it more next week, is this. What do you do when somebody has hurt the relationship, whether it's you or somebody else, because we have a choice, don't we? Here's oftentimes our choices. We can either lean into the relationship and own our mistake, or this is oftentimes what we do. We do like what we do when we're driving and we know it's our driving mistake. What do we do? We just put our head down, right? Yeah, I know it's my fault. I'm just not going to look at you, right? And in that moment, what we find is this. How are you and I going to react? And before we start thinking about how you and I react in that moment, I want us to look at how God reacts in that moment. And what we're going to find next week and we're going to unpack in more depths is this. When God is the offended party, you know what God does? He doesn't stay offended, but he comes closer to Adam and Eve. See, the whole story of Scripture is God coming close to you and I all throughout our mistakes. He raises up Israel. Israel doesn't walk with them, and he continues to come close to them. And until finally he begins to send his son Jesus to say, I, I've made humanity for the presence of God. I've made you for this relationship with me. And when you begin to try to change things or live outside of that, you will find yourself disappointed. You will find yourself in shambles. You will find yourself running away, beginning to take steps back from relationship. And it's only through this relationship with Jesus that we experience the fullness of God, even in our brokenness. This is what I love when you open up the gospel of John, John, John chapter 1, 1. 
uh, this is what John is doing on purpose, is this. He writes John chapter 1, verse 1, and he quotes Genesis chapter 1. What he's reminding people is this. God has not given up on us. Actually, God has gone above and beyond to love us with his son Jesus. This is how John chapter 1, verse 1 starts. It says this. In the beginning was the word. See, that's how Genesis 1 starts. In the beginning, God's created, God created the heavens and the earth. John says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. See, God, when we've walked away from him, he's not walked away from us. When people walk away from you or when you walk away from people, God continues to walk with us. It says this in John chapter 1, verse 14, talks about Jesus. It says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That word dwelling, it means literally this, to set up camp. See, when Jesus came, he didn't try to VRBO earth. Hey, I'm just going to be here for a little bit. Then I'm out of here, right? That's what we do, right? Then we show up, we trash the place, and then we leave, right? And we say stuff like this. It's a rental, right? You guys know how you drive rental cars. I know how I drive rental cars, all right? You know, and, and here's what happens. I've never taken a rental car to the car wash before I've returned it, right? Like, because we go, oh, that, that's not mine, ah, whatever, right? And see, here's how much God continues to stay present. He doesn't just VRBO with us. He says this, I'm gonna send you my son, Jesus. And then it says this, and he dwelled among us. The word literally means to tabernacle, to set up camp, to be fully present with us again. Because what God knows is this, the only way for our relationships to change is for your relationship to change with Jesus. That is what brings about the change. And then he says this, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth full of grace and truth. Here's what a relationship with Jesus looks like. It's 100% grace and 100% truth. Today and next week, we're gonna talk about two weeks of grace and then the next two weeks, we're gonna talk about two weeks of truth. Because here's what I found. When you have grace without truth, it's actually not helpful, it enables you. It, it's called cheap grace. Hey, Jesus, thanks for saving me from my sin. And now since you saved me, I can do whatever I want, right? Because you saved me from my sin. That's cheap grace. But here's what I also found. Truth without grace, it's not hopeful. See, oftentimes that's why we don't open ourselves up to other people. It's this, when people show up only telling us what we need to change and they don't ever spend time getting to know us. You ever had a, a salesman just try to push something on you and they're paying attention to you, but what you really feel is this, I feel like you just want something from me. I, I don't feel like you actually care about me. See, when we try to live just with truth without grace, it's not hopeful. But when we live full of grace and truth, here's what happens. It makes us holy. And see, when Jesus comes in, he comes into the world full of grace and truth. This is why some of my favorite nicknames of Jesus, when you read about the Bible, it's this. You know, some of his nicknames are this, a friend of sinners. Man, I hope that's our nickname this summer. Man, those people from Northside, they love Jesus, but... And they keep hanging around these other people that don't know Jesus and they love them well and they give them grace, but they don't walk away from the truth. See, this is what it looks like to be a Christian in this world. We don't look anything like the world. Because at the bottom line, it's this, what this world needs, what you and I need, and this is why Jesus came full of grace and truth. It's this, because at the core of every single person needs this one thing, acceptance. 
Acceptance. And here's what acceptance means. And this is very important for us as Christians because this is a big buzzword right now. Acceptance is not agreement, but our presence. Doesn't mean agreement, but it does mean our presence. See, this is who Jesus was when he came into the world. He didn't agree with everything in the world, but he was fully present with it. This is how lives begin to change. You begin to see the stories in John chapter 4, the woman at the well. What she found was this, a woman who was ostracized, who was a Samaritan. She wasn't the right skin color. She wasn't the right nationality for the Jews. She wasn't this. She wasn't this. And nobody had time for her except Jesus. Except Jesus. And what happens is for you and I, when we begin to live with this grace and the truth, it begins to change our relationships around us. One of the greatest displays of it I saw was this week. We had a longtime Northside member pass away tragically this week. And when I went up, they called me. They said, hey, we, we think we're in the last hours. I, I went up to the hospital. And as soon as I walked up to the hospital, when I, one, Ruthie and I went to check in. And they go, boy, there's a lot of you here today. And I went, oh, okay, I didn't know. I don't know who's here. And I walked up to this hospital floors in the cancer unit. This sweet lady's about ready to pass away. And the first thing I saw was this. When I walked up and I looked down her hallway was just a slew of Northside people in the hallways and in her room. And here's what I saw in that moment. Acceptance. This woman had nothing to offer anybody in that hallway, but it wasn't what she had to offer. It was their presence is what they had to offer her. See, this is what changes the world. This is the uniqueness of the call of the Christian, that you and I would be full of God's grace and his truth, and we would see the darkness in the world, and we would see the brokenness in the world, and we wouldn't turn our back, but what we would do is this. We would be exactly who Jesus has been to us, who he comes and he meets us right in our moment. See, this is how our relationships begin to change. Here's how your relationship begins not just to change with others. Here's how your relationship begins to change with yourself. Some of you this whole time, you're going, Nate, it's not everybody else. Nate, it's my relationship with myself. I can't give, forgive myself. You know how you forgive yourself? By allowing the forgiveness of God to save you. In Romans chapter 15, Paul has to write to the church because the church is fighting with each other. Can you imagine that? A church that doesn't agree with each other. I've never seen one of those before. No, I'm just joking, right? You know, like sometimes the most cantankerous relationships in the world are actually found in the church. And listen to what Paul says in Romans chapter 15, verse 7. He says this. He says, accept one another. Then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Attention and intention. Accept one another, not because you're good at it, not because the other person deserves it, but just as Christ has accepted you. Question for us this summer is where do you need the relationship of Jesus? to change your relationships. It's not that you and I will bring about the change. It's that God has already brought about the change. Will we allow that change to shift our relationships? 
Will you and I begin to open up this summer to say, God, I'm going to allow you in to the places of my life that need to change. Because what I found is this, the calling for us this summer is this, to be fully present with God so you can be present with yourself and others. Some of us in this place, you, you've had relationships, man. They've just been frazzled for years, and you're, you might be going on decades, and you're going, they're never going to answer my call. Okay. Would you allow the relationship of Christ, though, to soften your heart? Right now, it's really easy to pick on culture. More than picking on culture, it's this. I'd rather allow the presence of God to break my heart for the culture so I can be present in this world. See, that's what Jesus came to do. He came to dwell in a broken world, to give grace and truth. And you know what he went on to do? He went on to break himself open for the world. Here's how our relationships change. It's when our relationship with Jesus begins to change. This summer, and I just really believe that the Lord is calling all of us into a deeper relationship with him so that we can be people who bring his relationship into this world. And what we want to do is this. We don't want to just say, hey, let's, let's be present with God this week. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to give you some time just to be present with the Lord. I don't know what verse or maybe what words have really kind of spoke to your heart or to your mind today, but here's what I know is this. What we need more than anything else is to be present with the Lord. And so we're going to give us about 30 seconds here in a moment. Then we're going to sing a little bit. But what we're going to do in this moment is this. We're going to invite you to just simply be present with the Lord. If there's a relationship on your heart that you're going, God, I need you to heal this. God, this is tearing me apart. Maybe you haven't spoke to God in years. I loved it. One of my buddies invited a friend to church last weekend. And he told him, he said, you know what? Come to think about it, I haven't been to church for 30 or 40 years. Maybe that's you today. And God's going, I'm right here. I know you haven't talked to me for 30, 40 years, but I've been right here every step of the way waiting to talk to you. Let's do this right now. If you would, just go ahead and bow your head. Begin to be present with the Lord. Begin to tell him maybe what you sense needs to change in your life this summer. Because all change only comes through God. All change only comes through his son. And so right now, just begin to let him know the changes that you long for in your heart this summer. And then we'll sing.